Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Ketubot, daf Tet Zion, page 16. Well, we're really going to start on daf Tet Vav, 15, right at the bottom, where we begin um, our second paragraph of Ketubot. Um, and it begins with the following uh, Mishnah. Ha'isha So a woman who is widowed or divorced and now basically wants to get her ketubah paid, Right, She says that when you married me, she goes to the court and basically says, when I got married, I was a virgin. And he says, He says, no, when I married you, you were a widow. So remember, if she was a virgin, she's entitled to a ketubah of 200 dinars. If she was a widow, she's only entitled to a ketubah of 100 dinars. So if we basically can find witnesses that when she went out to her wedding from her father's house, she went with a hinuma, and Aunt's going to talk about this a little bit later, or with her hair uncovered, meaning that she didn't look like a married woman um, in a way that was typical of a woman who was a bitula then that's a way of proving that really her marriage contract should be one of 200 dinar. Rabbi Yochanan ben Broca says uh, that even if there, uh, even testimony that there was a, and what this literally means is distribution of roasted grain, which was a, a, a something that was customary or was a minag to give out at a wedding of a virgin, that also could be a proof that she was a virgin. Umoda Rabbi Yeshua ba'omer l'chaveiro. So remember, we had previously a series of machlokot, a series of disagreements between Roman Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua about whether or not we give credibility to somebody who makes a claim about themselves. Roman Gamliel usually said, na menet, we believe the woman. Rabbi Yeshua says, we don't. So the Mishnah adds here that Rabbi Yeshua agrees that in a case where someone says to another, sadet zo shel avicha, if someone says, right, this field, which is now in my possession, belonged to your father and I bought it from him, that is deemed to be credible and we accept that claim, right? The court accepts um, his, you know, his uh, storyline, let's say, or his narrative that it once belonged to the other person's father, but also accepts that he purchased it. Because the mouth that prohibits, right, he prohibits this, the field by saying it actually belongs to somebody else, is also a mouth that can permit it. So even if he had not admitted that it belonged to somebody else's father, right, to the other father, the field would remain in his possession. Um, and if there are witnesses that the field belonged to his father, Right. And the one who has fields of the possession of, of the field, the person who has, in other words, someone says, hey, that field actually belongs to my father. And the person who actually owns the field now or acts like he owns the field says, he says, I purchased it. We don't believe him because, again, all he's doing is making a claim that helps himself. He doesn't make a claim that also answers himself. So if a person could admit to the fact and say, yes, this was really your father's field, but I bought it. That we believe. But a person who's only going to say this only belonged to me, that we have more difficulty believing. And we've seen this concept before of the uh, 
you know, we've seen this before. And so the Gemara wants to start with Tama Deika Adim, right? The reason that, you know, especially the bride's claim that she was a, a virgin, right? Why it's accepted because there are witnesses, right? That she went out of her father's house, either with the Hinuma or with her head uncovered. Halika Adim, right? But let's say there are no witnesses. Baal Mehameh, the husband is actually credible. Lema Tanan Stama de la Karabi Gamlio. So therefore, we would say that this Stam Mishnah, right, this Stam teaching is not according to Ravan Gamliel, because remember, we've always seen that Ravan Gamliel says Namena. But if we say that it's according to Ravan Gamliel, didn't he say that she's actually deemed credible? So the Gemara then is going to basically get into a discussion, which I'm not going to read, but this is where the Gemara goes. Who could we read this Mishnah according to, uh, to Ravan Gamliel? Um, and then also they want to explore a little bit of Rabbi Yeshua. And we're going to see Migo again, which we saw in that first chapter. So what's interesting here is, is that this first Mishnah of our parak actually brings us back into a discussion that we had in the first parak. Did I just say first parak? This first Mishnah of the second parak, excuse me, really brings us back into the discussion that we had the end of the first parak of this Machlokas between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua and bringing up this concept of Migo again. And it introduces a new principle, which is, again, one of these, you know, principles that are going to carry us through right? Like the idea that with the same statement, you can end up, you know, with, with both leniencies and stringencies is a halachic concept that does not simply apply to this case. It's going to show up elsewhere. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Okay, so uh, I think I'm going to hand it over to you now. Okay, I'm on the bottom of Amadalaf, and we're still talking about Rove. As I as I said to you in preparation, you know, I could just get obsessed with the the implications, the ramifications, and the like. The real um, how widespread, how important this concept is. So what happens is the Gemara is really going back to a discussion earlier, right, about witnesses, that the bride is a virgin. And the Gemara has also established, right, that most women are virgins when they go to get married. Now, this is certainly not a comment on modern society, but it is a comment on Gemara society, right, that they can establish the majority based on what they knew to be true. And if it isn't true, they certainly don't know that it isn't true based on on the details here, right? But so then the Gemara says, right, so if we've established that most women are married as virgins and witnesses do not come, kind of who cares? Meaning once you've got that majority rule factor, then you don't need witnesses to establish her to be a virgin because the majority already has done so or will have done so. And Ravina says, well, yes, we can say that most women are virgins at the time that they get married, but there's also a minority of women who get married as almanot. And the assumption, of course, is that an almana, a widow, is not a virgin. So the Gemara says, right, so in the case of anybody who um, gets married as a virgin, that's going to be like a public event, right? Like there's going to be buzz about it. 
right? It's more complicated than that, but let's go with that. But in this case, meaning the case that the Gemara has been discussing, that we're jumping in to analyze at this point, this is a case where there was no publicity uh, to begin with. So the, you can't have that same assumption that we've got a virgin bride because it's not the same, I don't know what, pomp and circumstance, meaning it's not the same setup that you would normally have for this kind of big wedding. There's no big wedding here. So so she doesn't have that publicity, so to speak. Itra la ruba, and that kind of like destroys or the majority rule rule, right? So then you can't assume, you can't use the fact that most women would get married as virgins as a principle to establish this woman as a virgin because all of the rest of what happens at a virgin bride wedding isn't happening. So the Gemara says, well, one second. If the marriage of anybody who is married as a virgin is going to have this kind of publicity, right, that is going to go out in this public way, um, then why do you need witnesses to begin with, right? Again, what would you need witnesses? You've, you've established that, uh, I want to call it hoopla, right? I mean, it Yesh Lakol is really understood to mean that there's it's generating publicity, but but the point here is that that's the 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 reputation of the wedding of this particular wedding. So if there's a reputation that there's a virgin bride happening at this particular wedding, then what do you need witnesses to come and say? Lo and behold, the bride is a virgin. Hanach sahade shakre ninhu. So the Gemara says in Aramaic, by the way, right? We're getting to the next generation. It says, well, those are false witnesses. Right, and so the and then what that means is that their testimony is going to counter whatever the the previous assumptions were going to be, which now makes things messy. Right, meaning the moment you've got witnesses, but they're false witnesses, and they're going to undermine the givens of the rove, then you would have to have a whole investigation of the witnesses to be able to revert to those to the majority rule kind of principles anyway. Ella Amar Ravina rove nisur betulot betula. So Ravina again says, like, yes, it's not that it's um, across the board. It's not absolute that a virgin bride would have a yishlakol, that it would have a public, um, you know, that there would be the fanfare with the, the wedding, but the majority certainly does. And so therefore what happens is that if most or virgin brides have this publicity, so to speak, then for this woman, which again, her marriage did not get that publicity, then the same status of the rove of the majority wins is undermined. And therefore, you know, therefore the question is, what's the testimony? I mean, what do the witnesses have to say? And what the witnesses have to say brings us to this next section, which actually, Yardena, is what you were talking about in terms of the Hinuma, the idea that there's testimony that she goes out of her house, out of her father's house, really, to her wedding, and the way she's dressed is going to have bearing on, you know, on whether she's presumed to be a virgin bride or not. And so just very quickly to wrap up, it, this is a citation from the missionary, your Dana, that you read. If there are witnesses that she went out of her father's house and she's going to her wedding and she's dressed, and the Gemara on the next tomorrow's daf will talk us talk to us about exactly how we're going to define this hinuma. But again, it's something in her appearance that everybody could look at her and say, oh, look at that, right? Is that, you know, is she looking like a virgin or is she not? Or is her hair uncovered, right? Uncovered hair is more like the virgins, right? As opposed to the married women who cover their hair. 
then the assumption is that then her ketuba would be the 200 dinarim. She's understood to be a virgin. So the Gemara says, well, since she's collecting her payment without having to actually present her ketuba, because that's the case that we, you know, that's earlier on the daf, then the Gemara says, well, maybe we're going to, maybe we should worry that she's going to bring witnesses, she's going to collect the payment, and then she's going to bring her ketuba um, and she's going to collect from the ketuba in a different court. Meaning, maybe she's trying to game the system, and she's going to, you know, say that she deserves it here. She's entitled to it here, and also there, once with the ketuba, once without the ketuba. So Rabbi Yabal says, so you're right a receipt that says this woman received the payment. Meaning, so then, you know, that's on the court books, so to speak. Um, in a non-digital age, of course, that's harder to to find, you know, for the next court that needs to check. But presumably they had some ways to check the records, right? So Rav Papa says, no, we're talking about a case to begin with where they didn't yet have a ketubah, right? We talked about this in the last parak that as ketubah, as a phenomenon, was taking hold, there were certainly places that didn't yet do so. And in that case, then the concern of whether she's going to try to, you know, game the system. She can't do it. She doesn't have a ketubah to, to go forward. So then here, establishing her payment on the basis of testimony makes total sense because the reason she's not presenting a ketubah, according to Rav Papa, is that she didn't have one because it wasn't the practice in that place or not yet. Right, which is really interesting that there were places where people were getting married without ketubahs. Right, right, exactly. I mean... As I said, I think it's a matter of like till the practice really took hold as a universal type of thing. And I want to comment again, you know, the assumptions of this daf um, are essential for determining what's going to be considered acceptable in terms of her payment and so on. Um, it's also, you know, you have to, the rabbis, the sages, they have to know what we'll call the mitziut, right? They have to know what's really happening on the street or you can't apply halacha in a vacuum. Like, there's no vacuum here. It's what did people really do? People really, women really got married as virgin brides. That's the, like, it's not, I can't imagine that this is, you know, wishful thinking on the part of Chazal in some ivory tower. It really seems that this is legitimate knowledge of the sociology of their time. I, I would agree with that. I don't think it's wishful thinking, because the same way they were willing to admit, you know, that whole Gemara about that incident at Sipori, and God forbid when a woman gets raped, you know, that we sort of give her the benefit of the doubt in a certain way, or we allow her to maybe still marry a coin. But, um, you know, like, because there it was saying, like, well, maybe not everybody's so good in that situation. So I don't think it's wishful thinking, but I, I think we do see that different locations or different societies sort of maybe, you know, had different community standards. And the Gemara sort of, you see that throughout the Gemara. Right. Do you assume that a couple that's, you know, in the home together without parental supervision, do you think that they, you know, messed around or that they didn't? Right. This that kind of discussion is here in the Gemara. So I and and they have different answers depending on the locale. It's really interesting. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend E. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Town and Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.